continuing in our series called Don't Let Anything Steal Your Christmas. And uh, this morning we're talking about time. Who's had enough time so far for Christmas? Anyone? You guys can all go. Cool. Who feels totally stressed? You don't have to rest. Uh, you know what? Yeah, raise your hand. Who feels totally stressed out right now? Pretty good. Not too bad. Not too bad. So all of us are kind of in the middle. It's perfect because it's exactly what I want to talk about this morning is if we're, if we're stressed out, how do we get unstressed and how do we protect ourselves from getting stressed out with not enough time? Time is our most valuable resource. Think about it. You might have, I might write you a check for a billion dollars and you say, yes. And I say, and tomorrow you're dead. <laughs> Which would you rather have? Look, some of you are like, I don't know, a billion? I could get a lot done in a day with a billion dollars, right? We could be the most powerful person in the world, the President of the United States, Bill Gates, whatever. If we don't have enough time, if we've only got a little bit of time, no matter who you are, you got trillions of dollars, it doesn't matter, I'm like the poor homeless guy, we have, in, in a day, we have 24 hours. It's given equally to everyone. Psalm 90 says this, the length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow. I wonder what he was going through at the time he wrote that for they quickly pass and we fly away. It says God knows the the number of our days. Did you know that 100 percent of the people in this room are going to die? (laughs) You can't stop it. You're going to die. Death is an epidemic in America. (laughs) Right? We can't stop it. It's an epidemic. Here's what Tozer says, great theologian. Time is a resource that is non-renewable and non-transferable. You cannot store it, slow it up, hold it up, divide it up, or give it up. You can't hoard it or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember, it has no resurrection. It just keeps passing. Just click. We're going to end up the service. Some time would have passed. How did we spend it? How did we do it? This is a valuable, valuable resource. And yet, when I look at my own life, I look at, oh, it's gone. I, I could have used it for something else. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Stephen Covey writes this in his book, highly effect, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Time management is a misleading concept. You, really, uh, you can't really manage time. You can't delay it, speed it up, save it, or lose it. No matter what you do, time keeps moving forward at the same rate. The challenge is not to manage time, but to manage ourselves. I think that is a great statement prioritize. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Prioritize. We saw the, our, the sisters here again this morning. Last week we talked about money and the stress of money. And now they're talking about what they remember, the Christmas they remember when time kind of stood still, when they had time to just 
look up and see what God was doing, to look around and see what God had created and how it was impacting them and that family uh, atmosphere. And one sister, man, had an opportunity for that, but it was ruined. Why? Because she didn't take an opportunity with that time. We have, I was looking on the calendar, just a a couple weeks, a week and a half or whatever till Christmas. How are we going to use that time to celebrate what's really happening at Christmas? The birth of our Savior, the celebration of our Savior. Prioritize is is the, the root word of that is prior, prior, what comes before. And so prioritizing is setting Things that are most important before the other things that aren't so important. If you're good at prioritizing, the most important will come before everything else. If you're bad at prioritizing, you might have the really important things on the list, but they're in the wrong order. You see what I'm saying? Philippians 3.14. Paul's talking and he says, there's one thing. I've prioritized one thing. One thing I do. I forget what lies behind and I put this one thing up at the top. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The one thing, his number one priority, the thing that goes on the top of his list of every to-do list he has, he has this one thing. It's that I would, I would reach forward to the heavenly call of Christ Jesus. I would put Christ first. He would be prior to anything else. I would prioritize a relationship with God, number one. And it seems in my own life, when I do that, everything else falls into place. When he's not number one, things start getting out of control. David said it this way. One thing I ask of the Lord This is what I seek. This is my priority, my number one thing. My to-do list has one thing up at the top. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Right now, for you and I, in the time frame of history that we live in, the temple of God is us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So to seek essentially what this verse is saying is one thing I seek that I uh, one thing I ask of the Lord. My number one priority is to allow the Holy Spirit to dwell in me in such a way that it shines, that it shows. And when we get into the Christmas season, sometimes we forget that that's our number one priority. And it becomes things like making sure the tub is scrubbed before the company comes over and it stresses us out because it's not done. It becomes about us. Christmas becomes about us. I want to read today's scripture. It's in Luke chapter 10. It starts in verse 14. It's a very famous section of scripture. We've all heard the story, Um, but it's in Luke uh, chapter 10. We're going to talk about Mary and Martha and how there is a time in our lives to let the cookies burn. There's a time to take off the apron, to turn and face someone and let the cookies burn. Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Now, 
All of us have probably heard this story many different times. If not, uh, if you haven't heard it before, it comes with a lot of preconceived ideas of who's who, right? If I were to say, well, you're just being a Martha, you might picture in your mind a certain person. Maybe someone like, uh, I can't remember what her name was. The Connie? That one's Connie over there? Connie. Connie. <laughs> so the most beautiful of all of them, Connie... Was, oh, was, was, was over here. And uh, so she's talking. Maybe you, that's how you picture Martha, right? Always busy, always fussing, always. Maybe that's what she was like. See, we we, we kind of give her that. Maybe she was someone. Maybe she's just been deeply wounded. She's never amounted to much. And so this is her big time to get okay, this is my shot to show everybody that I can have a party and I can pull it off. Maybe that's why she's stressed. Maybe she's tall and beautiful and perfect and has perfect posture and does everything right. See, we always think of Mary as being kind of a little wispy, little wispy thing with like stars in her eyes. Just looking. Maybe she's overweight, dumpy and uneducated and lazy. Huh? We don't know. Maybe Martha has been on Mary her whole life, thinks of her as disgusting because she never does anything. Her room's a mess. Maybe she's never amounted to anything. And maybe Jesus is finally someone who'll love her unconditionally. The reason I, I want us to kind of destroy these ideas that we have already of how we... Because I think God has something that goes well beyond our preconceived ideas of whether we're a Martha or a Mary or whatever. I think the scripture speaks for itself on kind of where our priorities are. And I think that's really what's coming, coming down here. So watch what happens. There's a woman named Martha. We know she opened her home to him. We don't know whether she opened it up willingly or not. Mary might have just come in and said, hey, I just invited 20 people to dinner. What? Yeah, it'll be awesome. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Right? So here's what happens. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, again, we have different preconceived ideas of how she said this. She might have been so overwhelmed from the week. Most likely their parents are dead and it's Martha living with Lazarus and Mary. Okay, so maybe she's trying to make ends meet. Who knows? Maybe she comes to Jesus and she's just weeping and says, "Uh, Lord, don't you care that my sister is on him? And the whole bit. Maybe, maybe she's just like, Lord, don't you even care? You know. Right? Maybe she's really ticked. Maybe she comes in laughing. Hey, Jesus, don't you even care that she's that, that little gal in there? Ha ha. I don't think that's how she did it. Because here's what Jesus says. <laughs> Jesus says this. Martha, Martha. Twice. Not many times. That it, now, Jesus, again, what, how do we see that? He might have her right here and going, Martha, Martha whispering in her ear. He might be like, Martha, Martha, 
<laughs> right? He might be going, Martha, Martha. Right? I don't think so, because here's what he says. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. One thing. There's only one thing that's needed. There's only one priority. Something that comes before everything else. And it's a relationship with Jesus. That's it. That's what we celebrate. That's why we have a tree and everything. It all comes down to Jesus. The story of Christmas is that Jesus came. God came and humbled himself in the form of a baby. To live on this earth, to show us how to live, and to ultimately save us from our sin. This statement here, but Martha, is Mary does this thing. Mary goes to Jesus, sits at his feet, is listening, but Martha. I I, I don't know how many times God could be sitting up there and going, this person was at the same party doing all this stuff, serving people, doing this, but John... (laughs) harbored evil thoughts in his mind or whatever it is, you know. John didn't do anything, that lazy guy. But Martha, but John, but whoever. Think of your week this week and think of your week next week and think of all the things that have to be done and how God can move through all that stuff. And is it going to be, but John missed out because he was distracted by stuff that doesn't really matter. We, uh, We've been talking about toys for tots, and uh, so we've been really excited this year because last year we 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 served about um, seventy kids, and uh, I can't remember how many families. Cece's got all that stuff. So this year we doubled it, and we've got kids from the school, and and it's, we're just so excited about it. And we might not have enough toys. As a matter of fact, we might not even have enough toys, as there were kids last year because of the economy and toys for tots is running real low so we found out about this this catholic church that had gotten their toys for tots and it just it wasn't enough so i started freaking out okay this is this is what i like to have everything in order planned done i mean that's just my personality so i want to make it clear that this is not an appeal for money what this is an appeal for is prayer i I don't know how the lord's going to solve this but I absolutely am sure that he is. So this, this, this situation was presented to me, the Toys for Tots, and I just happened to be going through the church budget at that time, and I'm just going, you know what? Bump this. I just walked out of my office and started walking around Garden Grove, and I just began to pray. Lord God, you are the king of the universe. I began to pray, and the, the Lord began to just minister to me, and I began to think of our neighbors, the people around us, and, and just the impact that we could have, and that it's God's kingdom. You know what I mean? I had to remind myself, this isn't your job, dude. This is God's kingdom. He's on the throne. He knows every single person that you're trying to minister to, and he knows exactly how you're going to do it. And I just began to go before him, and, and it was awesome because... There wasn't a but John. <laughs> it was 
And John got up from his desk and finally did the right thing. And so I was up on, I don't know if you saw me, I looked like a homeless person. Uh, I was up on um, Chapman and I was just like, just rejoicing in the Lord that he's going to do something. And so I bring that up to say, pray, let's see what he's going to do. Just begin to pray, Lord, we need toys. Let's see what he does. It's going to be awesome. Okay. So look what happens. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do work by myself? Tell her to help me. How many of you feel that way sometimes when you're putting something on or whatever? You're like, they never help. They never do anything. I know we saw it last week, you know, help me with the money. Martha asked Jesus, questioned whether or not he cared or not. (laughs) Isn't that funny? It is to me. Here's here's the point. Once your priorities get out of alignment, so do you. One of the great things about time and time management and self-management is that we will know when our priorities are out of alignment. I have a car and it pulls to the right. If I let go of the steering wheel, which I don't suggest people do, uh, but that's how I get my coffee and get my laptop over, uh, is, uh, no, I'm kidding, okay? When, when I let go of the steering wheel, it just, it goes off to the right. So I'm, I'm, I'm always holding on to the steering wheel, not just holding on to it to drive, but fighting it. Why? Because it's out of alignment. And so when our priorities get out of alignment, listen to me, church, please. Your natural tendency is going to show up. So if your natural tendency is to be bitter, if your priorities are out of alignment, that's what's going to come out. If it's to be get angry, that's what's going to come out. If it's going to be to shut down and become a recluse, that's what's going to happen. Or depression or to become anxious. Whatever your natural bent is, when your priorities are out of alignment, that's what's naturally going to happen. So when you look at this, the Christmas season, you go, I'm so stressed out. It means there's something out of alignment. If you say, oh, I can't stand Christmas. It makes me so angry. There's a priority that's out of alignment. Do you see what I'm saying? So what does Jesus say? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life, the most valuable resource? Who, by getting stressed out over Christmas to getting all these things, oh, I got to do this and I got to do that. What's going to give you more time? This is what Jesus is saying. You can't add any more time. 24 hours in a day, we're all equals. I don't care who you are, how smart you are. I have just as much time in a day as a PhD. Right? How do we do this? Well, what I wanted to do was, I wanted to look at, uh, at three things. First, plan to... It starts every single one of these plan to I have to understand this. These are not just suggestions. These are things we have to plan to do or our schedules are going to crowd it out. I don't know if you're like me, but when Lisa calls and says, hey, do we have anything going out going on on Friday night? I pull out my phone and I go, no. And so it gets filled in. And then Thursday night gets filled in and Wednesday night, and Tuesday night and Monday night. And, and we have all these lists of things to do. And we, we fill in our calendar. We have to plan to do these three things. If you make any commitment to God this morning. Make it to put these things on your calendar in the, for, the, for the next week and a half. Well, for the next lifetime. But we're talking about the Christmas season. 
The first is plan to rest in relationship. To rest. You say, well, I I do. I rest. I watch television. I'm talking about resting in relationship. And this can happen at a party. It can happen at the mall. It can happen while you're doing your things. But you write down, Lord, I want to rest in your relationship that that bring me back the joy of my salvation, that if nothing gets done this Christmas other than me just focused on you. See, we can both be at the same place in the same line at at Target and one of us can be resting in relationship and one of us cannot be resting in relationship. So what I would encourage you to do is write a time in your calendar in the next couple days. I'm just going to rest and reflect on who Jesus is, what he's done in my life, what he wants me to do this season. Okay, it's our number one priority. What's amazing is that Mary, it says she had a sister called Mary who sat She sat. She just was there. With Jesus. She rested in the relationship. Not only was she listening to the Lord, but she was in a place that rabbis did not allow women. If Jesus was a regular rabbi, she'd be in the back of the room. But Jesus allows her there, right there, right at his feet. And I'm telling you, I don't care what your sex is, what your background is, who you think you are, who you think you're not. Jesus has a place right at his feet for you to sit, for you to relax, for you to rest. Resting is part of who we are as humans. Do you remember what Jesus said? The, 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 the Pharisees were getting all in his face about He was walking and picking heads of wheat on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was set aside for us because God knows we need to rest. I mean, how weird is it that we spend Christmas time, the time celebrating the the law being fulfilled, and we do it by not fulfilling the law? By not by not realizing, oh, Lord, I need this time to just rest in our culture. Resting is not looked on upon. It looks it's looked on upon as lazy. Believe me, I, I've spent uh, many years uh, doing business where I was proud of a 14 or 16 hour day. I was shoot. Heck, yeah, I'm productive. And that's not the way it is. Look what Jesus says in the midst of all their working and for the ministry, for the kingdom. Jesus says this. Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. That's how busy the disciples were. And Jesus sees it. He recognizes it and says, hey, let's get out of here and rest. We talked about in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of us need to schedule time. We need to plan time to rest in our relationship in Christ. Some of us are carrying a yoke, this this burden, Right. During the Christmas season, that was not put on by Jesus. It might have been put on by family members years ago. 
about how you can't do anything right, you can't cook, your house is always a mess. All these things that that people have put on you that during Christmas time you go, well, here we go again. And it doesn't fit right. And the Lord never intended you to have it on. Some of you are putting a yoke of pride upon yourself to go, oh, no, not me. At Christmas time, my house is always perfect. And so there's this burden of always making it perfect every time. The Lord's going, that is not the yoke I have for you. It's not easy and it's not rest for your souls. We have to plan to think about Christmas time. What is there? Is there a yoke my family has placed on me for years about not showing up on time or this or that, that we just go bump that? That does not rest to me. A lot of times I sit when I get frustrated in traffic or get frustrated at home or whatever. It all comes down to a perception. I think someone else is going to have of me. (laughs) It's about me. It's about my pride. So if I get if I'm late to something and I'm all stressed out, it's because I don't want them to think something of me. See what I'm saying? We got to schedule time to rest. Jesus should be a distraction from your work, not the other way around. Jesus should distract you all the time from your work. Let the cookies burn. If Jesus pulls you away, let him burn. Let him go. It doesn't matter. If the toilet doesn't get clean before the company comes because Jesus distracted you, it's fine. If the house doesn't look perfect, doesn't smell perfect, it's fine. Let Jesus distract you from anything you're doing. Let him call to you from the other room. In the form of your kids or in the form of a phone call that comes or in the form of someone just showing up at the house. Let Jesus distract you. Let those cookies burn. It's fine. Let him distract you from your work and not the other way around. Secondly, plan to go to God. Plan to go to God. She had a sister called Mary who sat. Where did she sit? Not in front of the television, although that might be fine too. I don't know, whatever the Lord's telling you. At the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. You know what's amazing about Mary? Every time she's mentioned in the Bible, every time she's at Jesus' feet. She's at Jesus' feet here. She's at Jesus' feet when she's wiping his feet with her hair and the perfume. She's at Jesus' feet when her brother dies and she runs up to him and she goes to his feet and says, oh, if you were here, my brother wouldn't die. She's, so she's there in her excitement when he comes over to the house. He go, she goes to Jesus' feet in her, in, her, in her sense of feeling unworthy when she's wiping his feet with her hair and perfume and anointing his head with oil. She goes to his feet out of her pain when her brother dies. That's where she always is. So as I look at Mary, maybe she, I don't know what she looked like. I don't know what she is, but I know one thing. She was always at Jesus' feet. She always went to God in the midst of whatever it was, joy, sorrow, mourning over her sin. She was at Jesus' feet. We have to plan to do this, guys, or Christmas is just going to blow us away. We have to put on our calendar, I'm going to go to God at this time. And for you, if it's every morning at, at whatever time, and it's so schedule it. Plan it. Get it in there. Or a Christmas party or a kid's play or something. Although the kid's play is probably a good thing to go to, especially if it's your kids. Uh, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to squeeze it out. We've got a plan to do this. Martin Luther said this. 
I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours a day in prayer. <laughs> three hours? That was back before they had stuff that were really important. Okay, so we can just go with two. Okay, I'll let you off the hook. Two hours, right? That's what Martin Luther said. Jesus was a model of this. Remember, I've talked many, many times, and I'll continue to talk about how busy Jesus was. All the time, people coming and going all the time. People in his face, challenging him. People coming with, uh, he feels their pain. He's got compassion. He's healing. The power of the Spirit's flowing through him, right? And yet he's never stressful. He models this idea of going to God, going to his heavenly father. But Jesus, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Getting away, going to God. We've got a planet. One of the times there was a whole bunch of people there and the disciples come. Jesus wakes up early in the morning and he goes to pray and the disciples are looking all over for him and they come to him and they go. Dude, everybody's looking for you. I mean, can you have you ever had that? Right. You're at home and I'm talking to the ladies because the men are like, no, dude, I never had, never had that where you're trying to get stuff done. You're cleaning you're, and the kids are everyone's looking for you. It just seems like everyone's looking for you. Jesus had just got done praying. So he had prioritized and everything, his whole day was very clear to him. And this is what he says. Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> what? Everyone's looking for you. They've all, if, they're, if everyone's there and it's early in the morning, it means they all got up. They had planned their day around Jesus. Okay? He went off to pray early in the morning. He gets done. They're Dude, it's early in the morning. Everybody's here. We got a busy day. And Jesus goes, no, you know what? I was talking to my heavenly father and we're going to go somewhere else. Tell him sorry. The disciples are like, Dude, how am I supposed to tell him? Arguing about who's going to tell him. Jesus takes off. Here's what he says. So I can preach uh, to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. You see that he goes to his heavenly father and his heavenly father says through some miraculous thing of how Jesus can be God and man all at the same time. The heavenly father speaks to his humanness and says, you know what? We're going to move on from here now. But there's so much to do. Some of us church, the thing we can do right now, the best thing we can do is go before our knee on our knees before God and say, what do you want me to cross out this season? What do you want me to get rid of? Because I'm stressed out and I know that can't be you. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had all this stuff? And you get, I know Lisa and I have done this. You get together and you go, look, let's just not do that. And like, right when you cross it off, you're like, ah, oh. it's just this sense of relief. You guys don't ever cross anything off. Okay. My bad, bad analogy. No, I just love that when, and we both decide, you know what? Why are we doing this? We don't feel led to do it. We don't feel called to do it. We cross off. It's like, oh man, this is what's happening to Jesus. Watch what happens. Jeremiah 29, 11. If you've been a Christian longer than a week, you know this scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Let me tell you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have that hope and your future. It's what we're celebrating in Christmas. It's Jesus, right? Now watch what the outcome of the prosperous plans are. Then you will call upon me. And come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek uh, when you seek me with all your heart. You see that 
The prosperous plans to give us a future and a hope result in prayer, result in us going, Lord, what are your plans? We've got to we've got to put this on our calendar to go before him and say, Lord, what would you have me do? Listen to this. If we do what Jesus did, we won't do what Jesus didn't. (laughs) If it sounds confusing, it's because I came up with it on my own. See, sometimes we try to think so much of what Jesus didn't do. Well, he didn't, okay, he didn't gossip and he didn't do that and he wasn't materialistic. So I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Let's just do what Jesus did. The don'ts will all take care of you. You say Christianity is a bunch of do's and don'ts. Really, it's a bunch of do's. If we do everything we're supposed to do, the don'ts just take care of themselves. And this is what Jesus did. He prayed. It was a habit of his. To go before the Lord every morning and say, what would you have me do? I talk about it all the time. Jesus says, I don't say what God doesn't tell me to say. I don't do what God tells me to. I don't do what God. Everything God says, I follow. That's what he says. Everything he says, everything he tells me to do, that's what I do. We've got to plan it. Thirdly, plan to listen and learn. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. She's just letting the cookies burn. A lot of stuff going on Christmas. Listening to what he said. See, both Mary and Martha heard from the Lord that day. They both heard from God. Some people say, how how many people want to hear from God? Well, I've learned to say, well, it depends. (laughs) I want to hear from only the good stuff. I don't want to hear any bad stuff. I just want to hear from God that he loves me and I don't have to change. Yes, I want to hear from God. Bring pour down the blessing. They both heard from God. But Mary chose to hear God out of flowing from what, where, where Jesus' heart was, where the kingdom was. See, what's happened so far here in Luke, there's been a ton of miracles all over the land. Jesus sent out the 12 for more miracles to go to these different villages. He sends out the 70 to more miracles to go through the villages. And now he's going to those villages and he's preaching. He's sharing the kingdom. He's teaching them. In the next so many months he's got six more months to live he's going to be talking about greed and hypocrisy and the holy spirit and righteousness all these things and mary's just like this is awesome and i can choose i can plan to hear from god from his word from different people speaking into my life or i cannot plan and hear from the lord as martha did where he goes john john dude I want to hear from God flowing out of a a sense of learning from the master rather than being corrected. Right? Because he speaks clearly to me both ways. And the correction's great. I mean, I I want to, but I don't, I, I, I want it to be, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have me, not what would you have me stop doing? Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter five. Be very careful. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. New American Standard says making the most of your time. 
because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This Christmas season, we have to plan to listen. Everyone who's here planned to come here to listen. That's fantastic. What else can we do? How else can we write in our calendar? Lord, I want to learn and listen from you. Maybe the listening has to do with part of the prayer time that we schedule. We just go, Lord, I'm going to pray. And then I'm just going to spend a little bit of time listening to you. What, What would you have me learn during this Christmas season? Because he will speak to you. Or maybe it's at a party. We all go to some party. And we're just like, Lord... I know Uncle Joe's going to be there. I can't stand it. He always ridicules me. He always puts me down. He always talks about that one pass I dropped in the end zone for the championship. And he always laughs and makes fun of me. He drives me nuts. What would you have me do? How, how can I get through this? And you know what ends up happening as we prioritize? God turns these situations that would normally be a big pain in the neck And all of a sudden, we sense his spirit flowing through us. And we're used by God. In the things we dread, we are used by God. 